Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. If you would, take your Bible and turn with me to Psalm 119. We'll have a brief time in God's Word here. If you're anything like me, um, I am not quick to confess my wrongs. Um, Especially when you have children, um, they're pretty good at being able to see your inconsistencies and to point out your wrongs. Because sometimes they feel like you're constantly pointing out all their wrongs and correcting them, right? So whenever they get an opportunity, sure enough, our children, hey, Dad, that wasn't right. Or, Dad, why did you say that? Or, that's not true. Or, sometimes that happens, right? Well, let's face it, if we're all honest, we have what I am calling this morning uh, delusions of righteousness. We have a delusion of righteousness, meaning that sometimes we think that we are more, way more righteous than what we really are. And that does not help us each day. Um, Pride, arrogance, um, the lack of humility in our lives. I think we all struggle with that at times. Sometimes we don't want to be embarrassed. Sometimes we just don't plain want to admit that we're wrong. Uh, why, why are so many marriages, why do they struggle? Some of it's communication. Communication is a big part of that. But a big part of that is humility. And, and the lack of saying, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong. Would you please forgive me? And this morning, I just want to look at four things. As we look uh, throughout the whole Word of God, these are evidence. But I, I found uh, in Psalm 119 where, where really the psalmist here for us covers how we can help ourselves from this idea of, hey, I'm okay. I'm not that bad. Because the reality is we're not going to grow and we're not going to become Uh, the men and the women and the young people that God desires for us, unless we do, unless we take these steps, unless we confront our delusion of righteousness, because let's face it, those of us who are followers of Jesus, we've come to realize that we don't have enough righteousness. We're not right enough. We're not good enough. The Bible calls it sin and that all of us are sinners. We all fall short of the perfect standard of God. I love the picture that was shared with me when I was really young and and it just sunk in of that target, right? And so we had little BB guns when my brothers and I were little and we would try to hit that target and I wasn't very good at it. And I don't know that I'm still that good at it, but my dad was, he was like on it and it didn't matter what, what BB gun or 2020 or the shotgun, he had the sharp eye for it. And, uh, and so whenever we would shoot or whether we would even use our bow and arrow, uh, I didn't hit the mark very often. And I love that picture, not because it makes me feel good, but the reality is that you and I, as we live each day, we miss the mark of God's perfection. And so we can either fight that, we can either like say, oh, I'm not that bad, or, or compare ourselves with those people who are really bad, so it makes us feel a little bit better. 
Well, the reality is you and I, we miss the mark every single day. And the quicker that we're, we're willing to see that and admit that and, and to move from that, the quicker that God can continue to work in our lives, in us and through our relationships with others. And so this morning, I just want to be real. I stand before you as a, a, a sinful man. I have faults. I am far from perfect, far from it. And those of you who know me, and even if you don't know me that well, you know I am far from perfect. Just listen to my sermon. I'm surprised Julie and her family came. She was checking me out online. Man, that guy, sometimes I think, man, if anybody listens to me and doesn't know who I am, like, that guy's crazy. He makes up words, doesn't know how to say other words. We're far from perfect. But as we'll see at the very end, that's what makes our God so amazing. So let's look at a couple verses. So how do we fight this delusion of righteousness? We're going to look at Psalm 119, and we're going to look at verse 8. Verse 8. 18. Verse 18 is our first one. And, and so the first out of the four things that we need to do, the first is we need to see. We need to see. We need to ask the Lord to open our eyes. And Psalm 119 verse 18, or 119 verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of your law. What the law does is the law reveals to us our sin. Uh, Paul will tell us in the New Testament that ultimately the law is the tutor. It brings us along to help us to see our faults, our shortcomings, the fact that we missed the mark. But it also reveals, reveals the beauty of our God and his goodness and his perfection. And so the psalmist is saying, open my eyes. And that's what we need first. Each day that we walk through uh, this day and tomorrow and this week ahead, we need to be asking the Lord, Lord, would you open my eyes that I could see the truth, that I can see what your word says. Now, our world tells us that is there absolute truth? They ask us that question. And their response, a lot of them are, is there is no absolute truth. And I've always wanted to do this. I haven't done it yet. Maybe somebody will be brave enough to do this. Somebody who says that there is no absolute truth, just punch them in the face and see how they react. Because it felt good for me to do that. You get my point. I would, I would not, I'm not going to do that. All right? Nor do I want you to do that. The truth of God's word, this is truth it has been truth. It always will be the truth. If we read it, it shows us our sin. That's why sometimes we don't want to read it. Because we don't want to be confronted again and again and again with our shortcomings. We need to ask the Lord, help us to see. Open our eyes. Because the opposite of seeing is being blind. I'm sure there's people in your mind that you could think of that are blinded to the truth. They're unable to see the truth, whether it's right now or earlier in their life. Maybe you were there. Maybe you were blinded and you couldn't see what the truth was. Maybe you're living in a lie right now where you're blinded by what you want 
knowing in your mind or in your heart, the spirit has convicted you and said, you know, that's not right. But you've been blinded to the truth. The second step that we need to take to help our delusions of righteousness is to grieve. It's to grieve. Let's look and flip over to Psalm 119, verse 136. Notice what the psalmist says here. Psalm 119, verse 136. It says, My eyes shed streams of tears because people do not keep your law. Not just a few trickles. What? What does the psalmist say? Streams. There's a lot of grieving that is going on here. Can I be honest? When I get delusions of righteousness, very, very, very few times do I shed tears. I may respond with anger. And we see that in this psalm too. All right. There's some verses that, that the psalmist uses here in Psalm 119 about those who are not righteous, those who do not seek the Lord and his anger against them. But notice the heart here. And this is what made David so special. Even in his shortcomings, he was a man after God's own heart. And we see it because he grieved over those who didn't see the truth. Because they didn't keep what God had told them to do. And so I ask you, as we think of our own lives, our personal walk each day, do you grieve over your sin? Are you willing to grieve over your wrongdoing? I believe this is critical that as we ask God for the opportunity that he would open our eyes so that we could see clearly that then we could accurately see sin as what it is. I remember getting caught one time in the cookie jar. So mom and dad had this cookie jar, and we had a Tupperware, a Tupperware one for a while, but then mom used that for rice or something. And I think she did it purposefully. I got to ask her today um, when I see her. But I think she did this purposefully. She moved the cookies out of the Tupperware one into this glass container. And it was purposeful because it was almost near impossible to take that lid off and on uh, the glass jar without it clunking. All right. The Tupperware is easy, right? You just take that off. You stink it. You get one. Uh, you know, the glass jar is like, dunk, like, oh, so we tried as hard as we could, you know, put your finger around it and you just slowly let it down. You know, we are really good at trying to sneak around and to minimize our sin. We do everything that we can. We put so much time and energy and effort into trying to hide or trying to minimize our sin. And in the reality, if we would just be honest and open, we're going to look at it in just a moment. We have a gracious and loving God. God sees it all. He sees every part of our life. There's not anything that is hidden from him. 
There's another psalm that says, hey, if you look to the highest height, if you go to the bottom of the sea, where, where can you hide from God? He's there. So why do we think that, oh, if I just minimize what this sin is, that it's okay. It's not a big sin. It's just a small sin. It's just one little cookie. Mom, I, I, I was hungry and I needed a snack. My stomach was growling. I remember that saying that one time. And mom's like, see those vegetables right there next to the cookie jar? But those aren't any good. We do that each day. When we have the delusion of righteousness that we think it's not that bad. We need to see our sin. We need to grieve over our sin. Third is in verse 26. So flip back if you would. Verse 26 says, when I told of my ways, you answered me. Teach me your statutes. Third is this, confess. So we see, we grieve, and we need to confess. David says here that uh, when I told you of my ways, you may know the account as David is confronted with his own sin with Bathsheba. And some of us, again, we're, we're very good hypocrites. All right? I, I call us Pharisees. We're little Pharisees. All right, we're good at, at, at calling everybody else's sin and then trying to wa whitewash our own lives. And so David, as he's confronted with his own sin with Bathsheba and not only with her, but killing her husband, he, he calls out to God. He, he, his eyes are opened. He mourns over his sin and he confesses that he has sinned. Against God. The psalmist says here in verse 26. When I told of my ways. You answered me. We see throughout the word. How is refreshment to our very bones. To our physical body. There is refreshment. When we're willing to call out. And name our sin. When we confess it. First John 1 9 says. If we confess our sin. What? He is. Faithful to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all of our unrighteousness. That's our God. We, we sometimes think either A, God is in a box and he's hiding somewhere or he's busy dealing with somebody else or he's got bigger issues or, or maybe we think of God as this big heavenly father who's just waiting to whip us and to get us back into shape. And every time I mess up that he's right there ready to strike me with lightning our God is not described like those descriptions. Our God desires to have an ongoing relationship with us. He is our creator, our maker. He knows us. He has intimately created each and every one of us in our mother's womb. He knew who we were. He formed us and fashioned us. And he has placed you and I here on this earth for just this time. Yes, he is righteous and he is holy. He is just. There is no sin and there's nothing wrong that God has done or said or ever will do or say. Everything he does is right. And yes, we need to fear God because he is holy and righteous and just. But he is a loving father. 
who demonstrated his love towards us that even though we were sinners, that Christ died for you and for me. He didn't just die one time so that one time I could come and ask for the forgiveness of my sin. He died one time so that all of my sin, all of my past, my present, and the future sin would be forgiven. Jesus has forgiven and he has washed away all of our sin. Very young in the ministry here, I was preaching and sharing. And for those of you who remember Mrs. Helen Johnson, one of our, our, our dear women, I miss her dearly, one of our pillars of our church. Mrs. Johnson uh, was a pastor's wife and uh, just a dear lady who loved the Lord who served him with all of her heart. She wrote me a little note and she said, pastor, I just want to correct a little area of your theology. And she did it so humbly and graciously. And she said, God didn't just cover our sin. He removed our sin. It's so critical for us to understand our sin just isn't there lying Jesus, when his blood was shed for us, it wipes away. It takes the whole, the whole punishment that, that we deserve for every little sin, it is taken away. And so I ask us, why is it so hard for us to come and to see our sin to, to grieve about it, to understand that, yes, I made this mistake, and then to confess it. Why is it so hard for us to live life with that kind of view? It's because we have these delusions that we're righteous. And the fact is, we stand before, and we will stand before a holy God and be declared right, not because you and I did anything. We just place our trust in the one who is righteous, the one who gave his life, the one who lived a perfect and sinless life, who gave it all, who left heaven and came to earth so that we could have an eternal relationship with him. And we're going to stand before the eternal creator God who's holy and righteous and just. And we're going to stand before him. And he's going to say, yes, you are my son, Aaron. I love you. You may enter into this glorious place called heaven. Why? Because my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Why is it written there? Because God has extended his grace and his mercy. Jesus died for me and in his blood, my sin was washed away, taken away forever. And my name is written there. Amazing, isn't it? The last step is to repent. Look at verse 112. So we need to ask the Lord to open our eyes, give us accurate insight as we grieve, humbly admitting, confessing our sin. And finally is to repent, and it's a willingness to do. Verse 112 of Psalm 119 says, I incline my heart, to perform your statutes forever to the end. 
You know, to repent means to move away from, to turn in an about face. I'm sinning, I disobeyed, I did what was wrong, but I'm going to turn from that and I'm going to start to do what God's word tells me to do. And that's what David is saying here. The psalmist is saying, I incline my heart to perform your statues. I think there's a, a lot of people who live life who look at this book as a lot of don'ts and do's. A list of rules that you better do them. And if you do them well, then maybe you'll get into heaven and maybe you won't. Maybe God will be happy with you or maybe he won't. The truth is God has given us direction and guidance in a relationship and in relationships. And he says, listen, I, wanna, I want you to know, I've created you, I've placed you here. I want you to know how you can best live life. But what do we do? We do what any teenager would do. We push the buttons. We think, uh, I'm going to try this because maybe, maybe this would work better. A lot of you are smiling because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because we all struggle with it. Sometimes it's easy to see our sin. Sometimes it's easy to grieve momentarily. Sometimes it's easy even to say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, the difficulty is, is repentance. And that's what God calls us to. To move away from our sin and to say, you know what? That is not what God intends for my life. I'm not going to talk that way anymore. I'm not going to listen to that anymore. I'm not going to be a part of that anymore because I know God has something greater for my life. And so I want to obey him. I want to trust his word. I'm not going to trust my heart because you know what the Bible says about your heart and my heart? While your heart is good, it's probably softer than mine. It probably beats stronger than mine. The fact is, your heart is just like mine, though. Because the Bible says that our heart is wicked and it's deceitful. And it is above all things cunning. So when you think that you're that good, remember, you are in a delusion. You are not that good. But our God is that good. And we get to have a relationship with him we get to trust him. We get to put our hope not in ourselves. We get to put our hope in him. We get to walk with him each day. We get to see him do great things that we could never begin to imagine. So we get to stand with God. How many times does Paul say in his epistles, stand? He talks about the armor of God and he goes through all these things. And above all these, stand. We get to pray and talk to our Lord and we get to listen to the spirit as he guides us and directs us. We get to have courage that what I've just said is the truth. That from God's word, he tells us that we can live each day with him. That he's not there trying to beat us up senselessly because we've continued to fail. But that we have a God who loves us, genuinely loves us so much and wants us to succeed, wants us to trust him, wants us to grow in our faith and our walk, wants to see us succeed in living our lives for him. That's our God. 
2 Thessalonians 2 verse 11 says that there are there will be a powerful delusion so that they will believe a lie. Guys, we need to ask God to open our eyes. As Pastor Ed said, the time is coming, the end times are coming. And the worst thing that could happen is for our eyes to be blinded. That we become cynical and critical of other people. That we try to defend ourselves in our own way of living. And where we become so self-focused. That's the opposite of how God desires for us to live and deal with our missing the mark each day. Don't have delusions of righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Ask God to open your eyes so that you can see. Ask God for accurate insight so that you can grieve over your sin. Don't minimize your sin. Confess it. Humbly admitting you did it. You said it. You thought it. And then ask God to forgive you. Willing to repent and to do what his word tells us to do. That sounds like a recipe for success. Do you? Do you think that? Let's ask the Lord to help us to live that this week. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Thank you that even though there will be delusions, there'll be one who rises up who lies. And Lord, there will be many who will be blinded. Lord, I look around our world today and there are many who I think are blinded. Satan has put scales over their eyes. And have failed to see the truth. And Lord, I thank you that you've revealed the truth of Jesus to us. That doesn't make us any better than those others. It should help us to appreciate your grace and your mercy even more. And it should cause us to take seriously the sin that is so rampant in our own lives and all around us. So open our eyes, Lord that we may see Jesus, that we can see his love, the sacrifice that he made, that we would grieve. I think of Peter as he's confronted with denying his friend and Savior Jesus. There he is in the courtyard denying his friend who's on trial for his life. And when that rooster crowed, how he was overwhelmed in that moment. He saw his sin as what it was. We need that, Lord. May your spirit confront us and help us to see our sin and our shortcomings. And may we confess it to you, asking for your forgiveness. Knowing that you are a God who delights in extending grace and mercy. And help us to live 
repentant, turning from our sin, not returning back to it, but turning from it. Thankful that you are a God of second chances and a God of third and fourth and fifth. We don't continue to sin that grace may abound. May it not be, Lord. May we strive after you, seeking after you with hope, with courage, with confidence, because you are so good and you're so faithful to us. Help us to live for you, Lord, so that the world may see that there truly is a Messiah, Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen.